Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the Two Dudes Talk Movies podcast. I'm Drew. I'm Cam. And today we're doing a little something different with a very special guest as we are not talking about a movie this week. We're talking about a TV show and that TV show would be, drumroll, would be Game of Thrones. Yeah. And our guest this week is... Hi, I'm Matt Williamson. I'm a television and video production major here at Eastern Illinois University. I'm a freshman and I originally came from a small town called Leroy, Illinois, which is about halfway between Bloomington Normal and Champaign. Nice. Great to have you today. Very Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Very nice. Also, uh, at the beginning of this uh, episode, we would just like to say that we got finally got our certificate award for... Yep, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Going into the mic. Um, I don't know what... That was for SCJ Awards. We got third place for the Jeepers Creepers episode. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, it's good to... A great episode. I might rec- recognition. Thank you, Matt. So, appreciate that. Yeah, thanks to all the countries out there that listen: Germany, United Kingdom, Mexico, Australia, Japan, United Arabian Emirates, yeah. and Brazil. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. Thank you. And today, much. today we're doing three dudes talk television. That's that, is that is true. Three dudes talk television. Three dudes talk television. Got a ring to it. Absolutely. But, but yeah, just to start, uh, Game of Thrones, as most of you who are listening know, was probably the most viewed and popular show of the, I mean, really ever. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Uh, we can just start by going over each of us, how our, like our relationship with the show, how we started, and what we think about it overall. Uh, Matt, do you want to go first? Sure. So I started watching the show after it had completely came out. Actually, the way that I got into the show was kind of weird. It was um, on Black Friday. I think either in, I think it was 2020 or 2019. Mm. It might have been 2019. It was right after the show finished. Um, Black Friday in 2019. And I spotted that Walmart had seasons one and two in one box set and seasons three and four in a box set on Blu-ray for 10 bucks a piece. And I was like, we got to cop this. Like, there's no chance I'm not going to get that. So that's how, so the way I started watching it was actually I, I had all the discs. I still have them. Yeah. And then after that, I actually had a, a friend who got the entire series as a box set for um, his birthday, which was like $140 as big Blu-ray came with like a map of Westeros and like everything. I was like, dude, this is really nice. But you let me borrow seasons five through uh, eight. And that's kind of how I got into it. But I would have to have my Blu-ray player because I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. I'd put the movie into the Blu-ray player and it would play two episodes of disc. So after the second episode, I would take the disc out, put the disc back in for the next two episodes. Gotcha. What what do you think about the show overall? Show was really great overall. Um, of course, I know we're gonna get into season eight and kind of how that goes. Um, but seasons one through four, I think, are extremely strong. Season three and four, easily my my two favorites of the series, if not probably my two favorite seasons of television that I've ever seen ever. Okay. Um, for me, season five is where you start to see a decline in the quality in everything from the writing to the production. And really by the end of the series, you can kind of see like how that tanks. And I know a lot of people have said, oh, you know, just because the ending isn't that great doesn't necessarily ruin the show. I kind of, I, I unfortunately have to disagree with that. Whereas as much as I would agree that like the show is really great, the ending I think does ruin a lot of different aspects. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, we'll get to, we'll get to the ending in a, in a very, uh, along the time of this episode. Uh, I'll go next uh, on my opinions. I went into the show probably not in the best uh, like headspace because I thought I was going in, it's going to be like this action 
pack oh. drag you know because i just i action pack fantasy this i didn't start this going like, i was just like looking around hbo max and i'm like oh game of thrones has a dragon on the front i'll watch it and i watched it and let me tell you that first season was kind of rough going into that like headspace but uh after that and i know i told you guys beforehand i it was a slow it was i didn't really get into it until like season three and i think I think the reason for that is because one, like season one was so reliant on you to pay like a hundred percent attention into every single detail of it because there's like lore that happened like literal, like months before the, this pilot and stuff that like that happened before the show started that like drives what goes on in season one, like the death of John Aaron. Right. Is like the whole reason Ned Stark, uh, goes to, um, King's Landing. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so that happened. And so, I don't know. I think I wasn't very, I wasn't prepared for like the dialogue filled episodes where no, you know, nothing happens beside people just talking. But now going through, and I agree with you about season one through four being uh, probably the best written seasons of television that I've seen now that I go back to it. Cause like now I go back to it watching the whole show and I can appreciate like their back and forth and the dialogue sure. and just how well-written it is and i think that once we go through this episode we'll talk about how especially in season like i mean even starting like season five you can just see kind of that decline like you said especially in just just dialogue in general that and just characters themselves um but yeah i the thing that i like most about the show is that it's a very sophisticated show and it doesn't like at least in the beginning, it didn't like pander to like the audience. It didn't be like, oh, this is too complicated for them to understand. Let's just make it easy. You know what I mean? They like really test you as a viewer to like pay attention to details and like have the memory to like remember the names of like 30 characters. Right. There's a lot of world building yeah. in the first season. But, right. but overall, I think they do a pretty good job to like set up the main batch of characters, the, the houses and um, to... Um, I mean, I think it's impressive. I think it's a headache. It would have been a headache to write all that because it's... Yeah, and the... Well, yeah, especially throughout the books because yeah. I heard those are, like, really descriptive. Yeah, by the way, by the way, the uh, books are written by um, George R. R. Martin. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked very closely with them. Uh, was it seasons one through four? He worked very closely with the writers. And I think he even wrote a couple episodes, uh, like Blackwater, I believe he wrote that episode. And he kind of said... Yeah, I think he just, like, left the project to do other things, hopefully finish his next book, because he writes, like, very inconsistently in terms yeah, of his release he, times. But, very, yeah. But to be fair, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff to His work. books are long. His books are long for sure, and they're very detailed and descriptive. Yeah. I, my favorite thing was one time I saw George R. R. Martin talking to um, Stephen King, and George, oh. and George R. R. Martin was like, how do you write so many pages a day? And Stephen King was like, I just sit down and I just do it. Because Stephen King's like, a good day for me is like six pages. And George R. R. Martin was like, a good day for me is like two sentences. Yeah. Because for him, it's that detailed. Each word in each sentence means that much to him. Well, to be fair, Stephen King does have some terrible books. That's and, true. And he did, he adds a little uh, little something-something to assist him back in like the 70s and 80s to help him write quicker. Extra Zaza? A, a little extra Zaza. So, I mean, it's whatever. Uh, Cam... What's, uh, what's your relationship with the show? How'd you start that? I started it when I was a junior in high school, a sophomore in high school, one of those two. And I did it just to, my dad, I saw it on the internet a lot, and then my dad was talking about it every day. And then I was like, huh, let me try it out. And I, it was right before season eight. Yeah, season eight uh, started, so I was trying to catch up right before. So 
I binge watched it very quickly in about like a month to two months. Not a good decision, especially because I couldn't. I was just watching it just to sound cool. Uh, and, yeah, just tell people like, "Yo, you don't watch Game of Thrones?" Like, no, it's like, "Oh, you're a freaking loser." But yeah, I didn't even know what I was watching, and I watched it then. Uh, I was asleep on half the episodes, and then I just I was just trying to get done with it pretty much, and that didn't really help. So I didn't appreciate it the first time, and then I rewatched it recently, maybe. Oh, uh, I think right before, right during, uh, I think I was watching it uh, like October through December or January, and I finished it around that time, and it made a lot more sense, and I liked it a lot better. Like, I used to say Game of Thrones was my favorite show, not knowing half the stuff that was going on, just to say, like, I don't know, try to... I don't know, just to like please the public. Maybe I don't want to like fit in. It's like, oh, I watch Game of Thrones, no, and it's really good because it's popular. Probably no, yes, it was just my dad though, because he made it the thing. He's a freaking right. nerd. He has a, I put him on blast. He has a a Daenerys lunchbox. He's a <laughs> geek, but That's yeah, really funny. yeah, he was talking. I'll have a Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> but I was trying to just sound cool to him because he made it sound like such a big thing. And, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the first. I really cared for it the first time. Now I rewatched it. Uh, grew appreciation for it. every episode. It was something going on that I can keep up with, regardless if it was action or just dialogue. No, there was no like wasted filler episode, which I really appreciated. And I grew some sort of a connection with the character and it was a lot simpler to understand, probably because I was older. Uh, I was maybe like 15, 16 at the time I watched it. I was 19, so watching it now. Uh, so three, four year difference, matured a lot. And But yeah, that was that. And uh, cool fact, the day season eight started, uh, back in like 2019 it snowed that day and i know that's a very it was the first snow of like the year winter is coming that is exactly what it meant that scared the mess out of me and uh yeah and we're talking about seasons uh season four that's definitely my favorite well i was telling drew a couple months ago when i first started first re-watched it he was like season four is like the best season i'm not really one to pick up on which season is the best i kind of just watch them as a whole and kind of just dictate everything as a whole and maybe specific parts not like an entire season but then drew told me season four is like his favorite and like uh just gave me some examples without telling me spoiling it spoiling it and i could really see the difference i love the last episode i watched that like three times after because the last song on it's called the children and uh that that was just such a great episode i love the way it transitioned to season five um but the downfall of it is how long they take in between seasons uh in between releasing each season so i think like each season comes out like a year or two after yeah. and by that time i forget everything yeah and yeah which honestly for like a tv show a year really isn't that long um like uh, i know house of the dragon just came out mm -hmm. and they waited a couple episodes into the season to green light season two mm -hmm. so now we're sitting here until fall of 2024 they said quarter four of 2024 expect season two and it's like by that point everyone's gonna have already forgotten everything but yeah, yeah that's the worst yeah. part because i don't i mean i didn't watch it live i didn't watch game of thrones live right. so i it was easy for me to just go on to the next season i don't have to wait and try to remember everything but i can imagine like sitting there like oh man this is such a dope letter or a dope uh, ending to a season now i have to wait two three years right. to get the next thing and then i wouldn't say it had a downfall season five i don't think not as clean. 
in terms of I I will talk consistency. We'll talk. Well, maybe we can lead into it in a minute. I just don't see the decline. I mean, I see it just wasn't as good a season for it. And I I mean, that's exactly what the decline is. But I don't think it's as it's as like it dented into the season like season five happened and like you can just tell off the rip like obviously you can't you're gonna see like the peak season four mm-hmm. and it's gonna be hard to reach that again in season five but i don't see how how bad it was so maybe you can like you guys can explain it sure I, um, either or so i think that with season five uh you both know but just for someone who don't know george R. R. martin basically left the project in season uh at the end of season four um and then so basically the writers uh, of the show basically it was just them and I think George R. R. Martin gave them ideas on how to take the story and gave them stuff that like little details of the story that will happen but it was basically all relying on them to write it themselves and to come up with new stuff rather than having George R. R. Martin basically to like outline the kind of where the season was going where the story's going which that's clearly why it kind of went off the rails like at the very end but with season five I just think that like we said earlier, there's no filler episodes in the first four seasons. Um, I just feel like season five, kind of, you can kind of see that there's a little, a lot of stuff that isn't so important going on. Because we talk about in the first few seasons, there's like details that we don't pick up on that are in there. But then this one, it's just like moments that don't really matter that you can skip. The stakes feel a lot lower yeah. after the events of season four. Mm-hmm. For me, I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry. But um, for me, one of the biggest reasons season five and on just never reaches the point the the original first four seasons of the game of thrones hits is because Tyrion is no longer in king's landing and by what i mean by that is that Tyrion is a very like you know he's a good-hearted character but he's also a very scheming character you know throughout the entire first four seasons you can see that he really is playing the game of thrones you know he's he's scheming he's trying to get back at his brother he's trying to get back at his sister and when you take a character like that and you move him from King's Landing and you put it with Daenerys, it it changes not only the character, but it changes the show and what a lot of people like about the character. Yeah, I like I like that they because I, I think that's a cool concept because at the obviously at the end of season four he like kills his dad, Tywin, so he has to like leave and everything before he gets like killed. And I like that um I like the differences where it's like, oh, we see Tyrion. Because I think throughout the show, in terms of location, we kind of are with Tyrion, at least on the Lannister side. Because in the first season, it's basically a, across all of Westeros kind of thing. Because he's, sure. Cause he's you know, he goes to, um, is it Lissa Aaron? And like he has to have a, um, a trial by combat there. And oh, yeah. He's, he's constantly moving throughout the thing. And it's at the beginning of season two when he's finally in King's Landing. And I would argue that seasons two, three, and four, the best scenes of those seasons is when it's just King's Landing because it's like Cersei's there, Tywin's there, uh, Varys, Littlefinger. It's like everyone's there. And it's just kind of like a... like a Tensions always feel very yeah. hot when you're in yeah. King's Landing, especially with a bunch of and characters Joffrey. that are... Yeah, and Joffrey. I think him, Tyrion leaving, kind of leaves that, that thought in your mind. Like, oh man, since you know how bad he gets and how skeptical or how sketchy things are when he's around, imagine how things are going to be when he's not around. Like, what's he going to plan? Like when he was with the thing. yeah and like when he he met up with Daenerys you could always think like oh is he gonna scheme with her is he gonna like, like scheme against or is he gonna team up with again with his family and then like plot on Daenerys so it kind of leaves that thought in your mind like 
what's he, what's he gonna do with who i get that it just it, for me it kind of feels like they do very little with that idea it's a great concept you know i mean this character obviously thrives in king's landing let's see what we can do when he's not in king's landing yeah and, and it's really interesting for the first you know couple of episodes maybe oh what's he gonna do what's he gonna plan they never really do anything with that up until season seven i i think i think for me uh sorry no, I was just clear. Sorry, that's when John Snow. When John Snow meet with Tyrion and Daenerys, that's around like it's like season seven. That's yeah. Season seven. Okay. Yeah. That's, right. that's that's when stuff gets picked up. I don't remember where it, it's um that like rock. Uh, yeah. Oh, stone. Drag, Dragonstone. Oh yeah, when he was looking for Daenerys's for the army. Yeah. They, okay. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that uh like I think it's a cool idea to bring, because uh, it's basically like bringing together two storylines that we've been checking out individually for seasons. And now it's like, oh, Tyrion from King's Landing is now going to be with Daenerys, someone we've been following. We've been following her, basically on her own, with like characters like Jorah and you know other like characters, but we are not a main character. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now it's like, oh, we get to see it. But I agree with you that Tyrion, and I mean, we'll just say it now his character definitely has a strong decline going into season five. It's terrible because his he he it's a very strong character. If not the strongest character of the series. Yeah. And it's it's very sad when you you do start to see the decline of the writing for that character in that season when he's not in his prime. Which again, it's a great idea. Take a character who's great in Westeros and see what he does, you know, somewhere else. But I feel like the the writers just never do enough with that story to make it worthwhile. Yeah. What do you think would have been better? How could he improve? You kill your dad and you kill your girlfriend and you escape this prison. Wow. With the help of your with the help of your brother. How much? Yeah, yeah, but how how much further can you get with le- leaving off on that? You all have to you have to leave your prime at some Yeah, no, see, it's a that's a really good point. You know, of course, that's why I don't get paid millions of dollars to write it because <laughs> the truth is, I don't know what I would have done. You yeah, know, I, I I think that the writers kind of wrote themselves into a corner. You know, because the ending of season four is just so mind blowing. Oh my God, this big huge thing just happened to King's Landing. Yeah. What's going to happen next? Everybody wants to know. And the truth is, it just never reaches that point again in the series. Well, I can, I mean, I can see that it being like, I just think it wasn't fleshed out enough and it wasn't utilized right because Daenerys is kind of this character that's like fighting against the tyrants and yeah. like trying to like be, make a better life for the people of Westeros and everything. Right. And, you know, Tyrion, you know, he's not like the most like, you know, he's a good character, like, at heart, but yeah. he's definitely, everyone in this series is flawed yeah. in a certain way, except for Jon Snow, who just becomes, like, Jesus by the end of Man, the yeah. you know, like, uh for whatever reason. But, like, having them come together, like, I can see that working out because I can see Tyrion trying to, like, end Cersei's kind of, like, her control over, you know, right. and everything through Daenerys and everything and being, like, a good uh, hand to her. But it's, like, his his intelligence just goes like right out the window. He he's making like calls to Daenerys that just end up bad. It, yeah. uh, you some, especially see that in season seven yeah. when he makes that bad call with Varys. Is that his yeah. name? Um, Varys. Varys. When yeah. Oh, uh, when he makes the call where where Varys is like, oh, you know, I hope you know for the sake of both of us that I'm wrong about that I'm wrong about this. And Tyrion's like, yeah, I do too. And it's like Tyrion's entire just mind and everything that like he's been built up to the first four seasons just kind of. Goes out the window for like the rest of the seat for the rest of the series, especially. Oh, sorry. No, you got it. I was just gonna say, especially for someone who is like probably one of the best like player in the Game of Thrones right. and like the smartest person who even like had probably one of the biggest hands and probably the biggest hand in the Blackwater right. uh, thing, which could have yeah. ended King's Landing, but he got he got no credit for that because he's his a, dad Tywin. He's a dwarf. Yeah, he was a dwarf and 
What were you gonna say, Cam? Uh, I was gonna. What was it? I was thinking of like real life scenarios. Like he killed his, like everyone, he killed his dad and his girlfriend, right. and he left his family. So I was thinking of like, what if he's, what if that's like having a toll on him? But then I'm thinking like this, that wouldn't have happened. And like if he got like depressed or something, the thought process is yeah. fluctuated. But yeah, I mean, no, I think you're right. You can definitely kind of tell that you know he he's definitely flustered, and I think that he's afraid for his life and as he rightfully should be, you know, when he's in this new place and he basically has to like stick with Daenerys to survive. Mm -hmm. um, but again, the the thing, it just always kind of goes back to the fact that the character is in his prime back in King's Landing. And even though like, yes, you're right, it would make sense for him to act a little bit differently when he's far away from King's Landing. The writers just, they, it feels like they never really do anything interesting with that idea. That is, I... I want to take it back because I don't think that's something to be considered or like being depressed or something in this time period. And it's shown a little bit uh, like at random times he'll, I don't know, he'll talk to, uh, I don't know who he'll talk to, but like it'll show that he's like upset that he killed his family and skirt, yeah, but it's not like a big factor all the time. It's definitely at the beginning of that season where we like see him for the first time back from King's Landing, which I don't remember how long, because basically he leaves King's Landing through like a crate. Uh, that Oh yeah. Be, yeah. And then we yep. see him and he's like, bearded kind of just gross he's like obviously like reeling from what happened but it's like it's like it doesn't take any time for him to just go right back to the Tyrion. but it's not like the scheming player thrones Tyrion. it's just like the jokey hi i'm a drink wine all the time it was like a fan fiction version of the yeah character. where it's like someone who was just literally the most complex character in the show in season four three in like the whole first seasons uh you know not the only one but probably one of the most and now it's like he's really you know it's like i'd much rather be watching one of some of the other characters wow like yeah. he was literally the one character like one of the characters i'm like every time he's on i'm glued to the screen now it's just like you know i'd rather go see who, what this guy's doing right yeah. and, and it's really important to note that you know it, it is important over the course of the show that the character does change right mm -hmm. and of course it would make sense for the character to change when he moves away from king's landing but the thing is when it's first of all not entertaining and second of all not realistic it really just doesn't grasp your attention at all i yeah, let's uh, let's move a little more into uh, different characters that we think uh, going into the kind of final half of this of the show. What do you guys uh, kind of what do you think of the Lannister storyline and the uh, actual the Lannisters themselves? What do you think of them, like Jamie, Cersei? What do you think of their progression through the show? I like Jamie's. I like no, I think I like both Jamie and Cersei's thing. Uh, her like takeover of where's she at? King's Landing and like her plotting on everyone and the fake trust with Daenerys and stuff and that was a big that was pretty cool I liked how they have like that contract because at some point you feel like everyone's kind of like too nice I mean we get a lot of Jon Snow at some point which kind of like yeah. makes you feel like right. a reminder that yeah like it can get it can get serious but because when Jon Snow was like on his deathbed or whatever and you see him a bunch and like him gathering all the uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, wildlings? Wildlings, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're with him, he's just trying to conjoin everyone. And yeah. I like that it shows Cersei uh, can just, and especially that scene when uh, when she blew up the building. when uh, Scepter. Yeah. yeah that, that was a pretty, and she's just watching from like, across. Watch her power, watch like how little emotion she has. He's yeah. doing something that catastrophic. I, I have a problem with that, but I have a problem with kind of what happens after that because the people at King's Landing, which was established, I think, season one, and especially in season two with Joffrey when that whole, like, riot in King's Landing happens mm. uh, where they throw, like, a, was it, a cow pie at him? And he, like, it just becomes mayhem in the streets and everything right? because they're starving. 
after she blows up the scepter, there's like no repercussions for that at all. When all these people die, a bunch of King's Landing people die. But now it's like in season seven, I believe, when they're coming back to King's Landing, it's like everyone's cheering for Cersei and everything. And it's just weird because I think they, they don't build it up, but they kind of mention that they're planning an uprising against the Lannisters, like the kingdom or the, the her as a queen and everything. Right. And it's just it's just jarring. Like you blew up this entire like big thing. A big part of the town or the city, yeah. and it's like nothing happens about it, and it's just like we just leave the season with it, and we just you know it's just weird. Yeah, that yeah. is, there's a lot of plot holes in the story. Uh, I think in season six, seven, and eight. I I don't know off the top, but I know that's like a big thing with uh with fans wondering like what happened with such and such. Yeah, but right. I agree with you. That. See, I wonder how much of it is plot holes and how much of it is. We just didn't have time in the season to flush through. That's, that's yeah, because I'm sure they probably storyboarded stuff. Maybe it's just right. like it just didn't make the final cut because the se- the seasons are already ten hours long as it is. Yeah, you know, and that's just with the characters that we've established already. Right, and with how big the budget is, who knows that maybe they went over the budget too. Yeah. You know, since it is an HBO series, I know that HBO is very very gracious in the the money that they give mm-hmm. to their their studios to make yeah. stuff. I I do agree though uh, about Cersei kind of being a Kind of being a constant reminder, uh, you know, because especially in the latter half of the show, we do get overly uh, good characters in terms of, like, their humanity and stuff. I feel like, like John is obviously, like, the top tier. like the yeah, nice guy. And Tyrion's a good character, and Daenerys is trying to make a change and everything. I like how she's a constant antagonist throughout, uh, where Tywin was probably the leading antagonist of the War of the Five Kings in the first, like, three seasons, four seasons. Uh, well... Yeah, four seasons, because I forgot he was in season one. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, and um, I just like how she is constantly an antagonist for John, for Rob, you know, just each person. Um, and then with Jamie, I th- he, he and Tyrion are my favorite characters uh, because him, at the beginning of the show, you hate him so much. Like, because he throws me. Yeah, he throws Bran out the window. Yeah. He's yeah. just a jerk to everyone. I think that Jamie's one of those characters that you can tell over the entire series. He has one of the most dramatic changes to his character. Yeah. Again, of course, up until the very end of, yeah. his, of his arc, but he, he is a character that goes through a lot of changes. You'd really love to see that for yeah. a character that is a terrible person kind of go through those changes. And and it's on that rewatch that you kind of see sprinkles of that, because at the beginning you're like, he's just a flat-out antagonist. Like right. he, there, But then like when you watch the whole show and you kind of understand, like, how he killed the Mad King. And then when you watch season one and you see him like talking about it, you can see that there is like some humanity there because he basically saved the people of King's Landing by killing the Mad King. But not everyone knows that because they just list him as a king slave, you know. Right. And so I like how there's just so many things that make him naturally change, like being taken prisoner by the Starks and then getting his hand cut off, which was... He was the was he the best fighter in Westeros at the time? He was like he, he was like the best swordsman in yeah. Westeros, and he loses his dominant hand. Yeah, and so he's basically resorted to nothing besides he, his name. Yeah, and he has to like work to not be so much of a fighter, but more of kind of like a, a voice of reason and kind of like you know just like a diplomat, if that makes sense. Yeah. So learn to fight, but not with your sword. Yeah, and kind of I think after that, uh, the relationship between him and Brienne kind of makes him see a different. It makes it, he, he has a lot more humanity once he meets Brienne because he gains her confidence. He saves her from being eaten by a bear in that one scene. And I think season four is my favorite kind of era with him because we see him in King's Landing with 
Cersei, Tyrion, his dad, like all the Lannisters are finally together after three seasons of like them being kind of separated. Yeah. And I think that we get to see kind of his true character development once he's uh, returned to Cersei after having three characters of develop, three seasons of character development. I think I really did like her, his relationship with Brienne, uh, especially when she's just taken prison or when she's just uh, walking around there encountering different or different enemies and stuff and they're going on different uh, slags and stuff. That was something. I really like, but something I really, I didn't, it just wasn't my favorite. It was a, it was a small section. I forgot which season, but it's when they find out that, um, that Ned Stark's child or like how, if I, yeah, like how they went, they kept doing flashbacks mm -hmm. when they were fighting and then they keep, they went into this building and they, then, uh, Jamie finds out that like Ned Stark's kid isn't his. Oh, you mean when Ned? Oh, Ned Stark finds out that uh, no, Joffrey Jane is not Robert Baratheon's son. Yeah, and then they find yeah, and then the connection between yeah that I really because they kept doing flashbacks mm -hmm. and it was throughout multiple episodes. I really just they could have did that in like one. Right. What'd you guys think of Joffrey? He's dope. <laughs> He's amazing. Great actor. Pretty like decent character like writing wise, mm -hmm. but man, does that the the actor. And the writing put together, it really makes for a despicable character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, highly good. Yeah. Him also is a character that, like, once you put him in a batch of all the other characters in King's Landing, it's just so fun to watch, especially Tyrion. Yeah, I like that uncle-nephew dynamic. Right. It, yeah, it's definitely interesting because it's like, it's interesting, it's interesting to see because it's like he's the king and he really has no authority over Tyrion being a dwarf and his like you know it's like why would uh like he basically just tells off joffrey many times and he really doesn't do anything because i don't know i just i just like the complexity of the characters where like cersei and joffrey like despise Tyrion, but sometimes they'll like look to him for guidance like in blackwater mm -hmm. uh when like joffrey was basically like looking to Tyrion to help lead the fight basically and it's like shows that there's a dimensional side to them rather than like, I'm bad, I hate you because you're a dwarf. There's like sides to it where, but they are, except for Tyrion and Jaime, very um, like greedy, very selfish characters in King's Landing, Lancers as a whole. Also, what I think is really funny is that the actor that plays Joffrey is also in Batman Begins. So we, we, talk, we talked about that. Did you guys yeah. talk about that? Yeah. yeah. I think that that's really funny. Was no, he Gordon's son? Or was he just a uh, I think I think he was just like a kid on the street, okay. right? I don't think he was actually Gordon's kid. I don't I saw a pic We could remember. And Batman begins, he has a different kid than he does in Batman and the Dark Knight. There was a lot of like recast even uh, Rachel gets recast. Yeah, we yeah, Drew talked yeah. about how like yeah. There's a lot of recast, but we talked uh, about Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the way it relates back to Game of Thrones is that, you know, the actor was like really good. And I, I feel really bad because I've seen interviews with the cast talking about how he's the sweetest, one of the like the sweetest kids to work with. And the actor himself got a lot of death threats from fans of the show because of the, the nature of the character is so despicable and so awful. But that also is what makes for such a satisfying death in season four. Would you have preferred? I don't know. I feel like. Poison is such. It was a good. It was good. Shit is a war, is a terrible way to die. Yeah. I just a lot more. Kind of wishing it'd be more of kind of like a beheading or kind of like a like a maybe like long a long death. A, a, a fight. I think that would give him a give him a sword with somebody else and that door. Fight. That's, that's, too, that's too easy. I think. I think the poison, the uh, the option to give him poison works very well because it's drawn out. 
not too long. It's not drawn out like between episodes and episodes and episodes in front of everybody. It's too. it's only a couple minutes long. It's in front of everybody, and I mean you can see just like the torture. I mean, yeah, yeah the blood, the blood in it. His eyes are getting bloody. His entire face is blue. His tongue is purple. You can see the veins in his face. I think that it's the perfect way to kill off the character. I, I watched a YouTube video of, of that scene. I love in the comments where it's like, this man drank the poison and said, hold up, let me wash this down with some more poison. Yeah. Because <laughs> he starts choking, you drink yeah. some more, yeah. And it, I think that was, I think they called that that poison, I think in the lore or whatever, like the choke, the choker or something like that, or the the strangler or something, because it's like instant. As soon as you drink it, it's like you're you're done for, basically. Yeah, like there's no chance of survival. That that was a good, I love that episode. Yeah. I wish that he died a different way. So, not in the, maybe, it's just, you explained it well, and I'll agree that is a, that's a good way to kill off a character, but I think of someone of that, like, importance, like, something, it's, it's good for the setup, because at least it's hearing going on trial, and you not actually knowing who, act who poor. It's like a murder mystery. Yeah, and that's a good plight way on the plot, but I think of someone of that stature in the show, he should have went out a different way. Maybe like, okay, maybe a fight isn't the best way, but maybe against like, maybe a fight against a young Arya. I think that would, because Arya wasn't that good as a kid, but then that would, they would have killed him off too early. You can't really see his, you know, I, I but. I, I, I get, I think that, I think it's something similar to with Ramsey. Like I think I was talking to you before where I feel like it's not so much how they died, but I feel like it's so much like the person that did it to him. Tyrion needed to kill him. Yeah, I think I think what like is that is that true what you were saying? You feel like it was too easy because it's like Tyrion didn't get the upper hand on him, or like it yeah. feels like this like outside party that we we know because we learned that it's the Tyrell. I don't know. I like that it's not Tyrion though, because even though the season plays off as a who done it, a lot of the characters think that it is Tyrion. Yeah. We as the audience are kind of left to well, we don't really know whether it's Tyrion or not. Mm-hmm. You know, of course he's maintaining his innocence, but it's like. We don't find out until I believe it's the very end of that season, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, I don't think Tyrion should have been the one to kill him in that season. But I definitely get what you mean where it's like, it does, it feels a little, it feels a little bit cheap to, for that to happen to a character that like we've known for so long and been, mm-hmm. has been held to such a high standard. Yeah, I just love that whole episode because it's like, it's just tear. It's probably one of the most awkward episodes ever because it's this wedding and he's just torturing Tyrion the whole time by having like the other dwarfs like play the kings of the fire. Yeah, the imp and, yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah, and then like having, pouring wine on his head and then making him serve his wine. I believe they remake the um, beheading of uh, uh, Rob Stark as yeah, well. In, yeah. Uh, with the... And, and I think it's also just another thing where it's like you get to see the characters reacting because by this point you have the Tyrells there too, who are main players in like the game too, like uh, right. uh, Marcella, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, uh, and you get to see how she is married to Joffrey, but just disgusted by his actions. Varys is disgusted. Even Tywin, if you look in that episode, you see him, and he kind of is so not happy with how he's like acting like a king, right. because it, I, you know, I've done some, you know, the lore, and I don't. Do you know some most of the lore? But Tywin, yeah. Tywin's kind of a very. Um, one, he's probably one of the best actors and casted person in the show. I agree. And uh, he is a character that is definitely um, earned. He values respect by the people of Westeros rather than like, I don't know. He he deserves respect because his father, uh, I don't know what his name was, but the Lancers used to be kind of like a laughing stock of the world, basically. House, yeah, yeah they would be a laughing stock house. So he demands respect. And so when he sees like Joffrey acting like an idiot and like, 
basically being a, like just a fool to everyone and like yeah, he just gets really frustrated. So I like to see kind of how dimensional those characters are yeah. throughout this whole thing. And even Tyrion, he watches the dwarfs like play that part and he's even saying like to uh Pod. He's like he's like, give them gold by the end of this or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's just I don't know, it's just that whole thing really puts on display all the characters, their reactions to this basically not mad king, but this king that doesn't shouldn't be on the throne at all. To, and make decisions that affect everyone. And I, I, that's probably my favorite episode because Ever. of the, how tense it is throughout and how, like, I don't know, the conflict of Tyrion and Joffrey throughout is just really cool. Which, which episode was that that you said is when you... It was the Purple Wedding one. The Purple Wedding yeah. episode two of season four. Yeah. Um, What's that? You just remembered it. Oh, I know, yeah. I, oh, he does. Oh, he, he I, Well, I was doing some, some IMDb research just because we were talking before the podcast where mm-hmm. we were like, Game, Game of Thrones is a little bit special in a way where it's like, there is a lot of very, very tiny details over the span of 80 it's, hours, yeah. 90 hours, however long the show is. Um, whereas when you have a, you sit down and watch a two and a half hour movie, you can, you know, you can retain, you know, smaller, smaller details here and there. Um, but for a show, especially that of Game of Thrones, where there's a thousand different characters in a thousand different locations doing a thousand different things. It's a lot. It's very hard to pick up on some of those uh, smaller things, but the purple wedding is definitely one of those that I can remember. Season two, episode four. But I think that it's very ironic too the way that Tywin dies, or he dies on the toilet. Yeah, to his own family that he, to his own son that he like despises and like. And I know I talk about like the subtle things, but I think like Tywin, he doesn't. He hates Tyrion mostly because. Uh, his wife died giving childbirth to him, giving birth to him. And But there are some scenes where it's like almost as if he doesn't completely hate him. Like he respects some of the decisions he makes. Like he respects... It's almost like he's embarrassed of him. He's, yeah, he is. He's, yeah, he's embarrassed of him. But there are some scenes where it's almost like he is embarrassed of him, but he still knows that he is his son. He's a Lannister. Yeah, he's still, he's still a Lannister, but at the same time, He's embarrassed that he is like holding on to that Lannister name because yeah. you know, of course, like you said, he he thinks that the Lannister name should be held to such a high standard in the same way that he sees Joffrey acting a fool. I mean, just Tyrion's just existence in general, he yeah. thinks brings shape onto the Lannister I, name. I love I love how Tywin, how he is just a constant, like strong presence throughout, especially when he comes to King's Landing by the end of season two and he's there for seasons three and four. You kind of every time he walks into a room, it's like everyone has no power except for him. Even though Joffrey's the king, mm-hmm. Tywin has way more like of a a say in what actually goes on in West, like in decisions being made. Uh, so I just like I I don't know who the actor is. I'm blanking out his name, but I love of uh, Tywin. Uh, but he is like probably the most. I don't know. He's probably the best cast out of all of them, just because. I don't know his press Charles Dance, Charles Dance, and uh, I don't know what he's been in, but he is just such a great actor in that role. Um, I wish they did a spinoff of him. Uh, is that what uh, House of Dragons is? No, that's Targaryen. Uh, House Hogar. of the Dragons is a prequel to the Targaryens. I think at the very beginning they say 156 years before the events of Game of Thrones. Really? Or at least 156 years before Daenerys. Yeah, so it's a long time. But also, in just season one, they've jumped 30, 40 years already. Not to get, you know, I'm sure that you guys will want to save House of the Dragons for another podcast, but yeah. I think that one of the interesting differences is that Game of Thrones really takes its time, even from a character to get the point A to point B, whereas in um, House of the Dragon, 
you have 10 year time jumps in one episode yeah that is slow decades though. go by it's like really slow that's and so the, the that's the interesting thing is that the the points that the directors choose to show you or that the writers choose to show you it's kind of weird it, mm-hmm. it is it is kind of a slower show but when you look at it um season one of game of thrones is a lot of world building like yeah. we discussed earlier in the podcast is, do you consider that slow or do you consider it world building mm-hmm. or do you consider it both i think that it's a little bit of both for both for both uh house of the dragons and game of thrones um yeah i think we can because we've already been we just kind of went off on a bunch of random things yeah. we can uh, kind of get more into the uh ending yeah the last the last uh season of game of thrones season sure. eight where notoriously and we can just talk about uh really quick like the impact of the ending because this was huge this was like probably the this was the biggest show on tv many like commercials many it was just huge in culture and everything and i feel almost as if that this ending how much it kind of concludes in such a bad way kind of makes it it kind of ruins spoils some of the like existence of the show it kind of made it kind of go out of the public eye in terms of because now it's not so much oh this great show now it's like the worst ending of all time game of thrones you know what i mean i had a teacher in high school who was a game of thrones fanatic and he his reasoning was always you can't let the ending of the show ruin the entirety you have to remember that at one point, the show was the best show on television. And I have to disagree because I think that the event, <laughs> I know, I, I have to disagree with that though, because although, you know, we talked season four, some of the best writing in television history, you have to remember that it is trying to move towards conclusion of the show. Mm-hmm. So when that conclusion of the show is just poor production, yeah. poor writing, poor directing, just across the board, it, it gets very frustrating to know that you have one of the best TV shows of all time and there's a lack of effort and a lack of care put into it. Yeah. I wouldn't say that season eight is bad. And I know I'm amongst like, I know, I know you two are disagreeing with. So you can't see our faces right now. But they just made like the most shocking faces, <laughs> but I don't think it's bad. So for someone who, when this start, 2011, for someone to start this in 2011 and for it to end the way it did in 2019, I can understand frustration, but because you're sitting through eight years of greatness and then you get crashed and like, what was it, seven, eight episodes of last season? Uh, six. Six, okay, yeah. So I can understand that, but I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just rushed. It wasn't, I mean, you get the fight and then you get the relationship between people and then Daenerys' whole story is kind of, I. what's up? I agree. I think that it's bad because it's rushed. Like, I think, I think that the fact that seasons one through six were so like drawn out, 10 episodes, 10 hours. And like, like season one, not a lot happens. Like in terms, like it's basically like this Ned Stark and, you know, being in King's Landing and that's it. And you have a lot of sit downs and everything where I feel like this one, it's like, okay, in a regular season, everything that happened at uh, Winterfell, the Bower Winterfell against the White Walkers would literally be a whole season in itself. Yeah. But now it's like resorted to one hour episode where you can't really make out what's going on because the the, the lighting is so kind of bad. Yeah. The effects are okay, but you can't see very much. Characters, main characters have plot armor now where Brienne's yelling like a, like screeching her lungs out uh, and she's not dead. Sam's not dead somehow, even though he's probably one of the worst fighters in Westeros. He- Okay. Yeah. And I. I. Yeah. I just think that 
You don't like Samuel? I liked him. I just think that like there was. What are the odds that a character like that survives? Very little, but but Jorah doesn't. Okay, I I like Sam. Yeah. I liked him. He could have died, but I'm not mad that he didn't. I'm not like John left him. I know. Yeah, yeah. maybe they should like throw him in that type of situation and then just have him survive anyway. Yeah, they should have had him. Sorry, good job. No, no, go ahead. I think they should have wrote him off with uh, his wife, forgot her name, and uh, his kid. Yeah, I think they should have had them go start off a family and then that. But I'm not like upset that he was that he lived. So I I understand it's realistic, but I'm not sitting here like, oh man, he should because he's not a big character anyway. Mm-hmm. He's just a side character to Jon Snow. And regardless if he lived or died, I know it would have been like something a bunch of like people on Twitter like, oh my god, he's like the softest <laughs> character. Oh, yeah. You know. Also, don't listen to any opinions on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, nothing real. <laughs> nothing is real on. Yeah, I can I can see past that stuff. Like, if no main character died, because Theon dies, Jorah dies, uh, is that it? The Hound? He's not a main character. He doesn't die at Winterfell, though. Uh, oh, we're talking about that? Oh, Winterfell. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're talking about the Battle of Winterfell against the White Those Wolves. are the two big ones. Yeah, and then, uh, the, John's friend that from the Night's Watch that no one knew the name, I don't know the name of him, Simon, I don't think, I don't know if that's his name, but, uh, he dies, but it just felt like, okay, the White Walkers literally ambushed the entire King to Castle, and only two main characters die, and it's like such a, I don't know, both their deaths are kind of different in terms of like Theon just dies to the Night King himself, not like a whole ambush kills him. And I don't know, I just think it was way too rushed. The script, the writing of it doesn't make any sense because, you know, in the first few seasons they use actual military tactics, uh, like Blackwater where he has like a fake ship go out that like throws him off so then he can- Mm, Yeah. Where this one, it's like they have their catapults in front of their troops, which makes no sense. They they have <laughs> yeah. the they have the Dothraki yeah. go. Oh, it's dark out. We came and fight them during the day. Let's ride at them in pitch black. Yeah, I was and stupid. and granted, they weren't even gonna like ride in with the fire. They were just planning on riding in in the dark. And the the witch lady, uh, Masant. Is it? Masad? No, it's Masin. M- 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 I don't even know her name. Whatever. She, she's kind of Melisandre. Whatever. She's kind of just a kind of a nothing character for me because she really just, didn't do. She didn't do enough. She doesn't add enough. She doesn't add anything. <laughs> so she lights their things on fire, and they're like, "Oh, great! Now we can die even more visibly." Which I do like the shot where you can see their lights going out. Mm-hmm. But the reason for them doing it makes no sense. Why would you fight in the? Plain darts like that. Again, it's just like, I feel like in season eight, especially, there's just a lack of effort put in by almost everybody. Um, it, it's even a lot of the actors, you know, when you're given a, a script. You know, I mean, the acting is good. I, I would say the acting is probably, it's consistently strong throughout. It's just the writing of their characters makes it seem... All- it makes it hard to, yeah. to do it. But, I mean, even you can look at... Um, interviews with cast members from oh. season eight and they're like yeah i saw how, the how do you feel about the ending and they're just like it ended period like that's kind of all they have to say about it because that sucks yeah. you spent eight years on this and then that's all you have to say but i get like you're not satisfied I, with how your characters I've were seen, all. i've seen uh when they were doing the like uh like re- reading the script their script the table read yeah, yeah. And the actor for varus he mm-hmm. reads like how his character dies and yeah. he literally throws the script like out on the table because he's so upset about how they did it right and it's, it's like, terrible and they continue really it's bad. like you see that it's literally video of him doing that and they don't think let's change this since he you know why wouldn't you change it when you see that it's such a bad way to end it for his character and i just think that and also the fact that um they hide all the women and children in the crypt. Yeah. 
why would you do that when you have Jon Snow who knows right. that they can come back to life from the dead? Yeah. And even uh, Peter Dinklage says in the interview, literally on set, he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't know why they chose to put them in the crypts with all the dead people. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just like when your actors are so not supportive of your writing, there's definitely a problem. It's hard. Yeah, especially after, I, I have to assume that there were conversations had between the writers and the actors when you watch, you know, of course, the videos of actors looking at each other, throwing their scripts across the room. I have to imagine that there was some sort of had to have been. conversation had, but I wonder what was said because it must not have been struggled. Well, especially for the biggest show on TV. Right. Yeah, you have a standard to uphold. And... Yeah, right. And uh, I don't know if you guys know, I'm, I, I don't know if you know the reason why uh, they, like, kind of rushed this last, like, two seasons, basically, is because... Uh, I don't know what the names are, but the writers, the D. Main... Weiss and David Benioff. Yeah, them. You're gonna have to remind me on um, that a couple times. Wait, let's just call them D and D because that's what they're referred to in the fandom. D and D, sure. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber. Um, well, but that's kind of what they're referred to as. Hopefully, but... they're not listening to this podcast. I don't think. So. <laughs> oh, but well, the thing about it is that you don't see their names anywhere now. They're not in it. I, I don't. I don't know what they have going on. But the reason they rushed the season is one fatigue. You know, you write all those shows, you produce all those shows. That's exhausting. But they were getting deals from Netflix, I believe. Like, a lot of deals coming from Netflix. I think they were even contacted to do, uh, like, a Star Wars movie. I believe. I think that's reportedly. Are you talking recently or in the past? In the past. I think that at one point they were on board to do Solo. Okay. I might be wrong about that. And it might have been, actually, now that I say that out loud, I, I don't think that was right. Well, I think they were given a lot of deals from other, like, places. So they were like, okay. Let's end this so we can go do that because we're kind of tired of this. Where it's like, why don't you just maybe, I don't know, hand it off to someone who actually cares about it? It's like, why would you not give the effort in when you have all these people who love the show and like hold it to this high standard? And it's like, I th this show could have gone like 10 seasons, I think. Dude, yeah. I do want to make a, cor a correction real quick. I was talking about Phil Lord and Chris Miller, actually. They were scheduled to do okay. solo and they were fired. It was not DB Weiss. Okay. Kind of any okay. No, you're fine. I, yeah, I just think that. The show, it's so jarring because the jarring. it's so jarring because it's so like spaced out, and then all of a sudden these last two seasons, it's like we're in Wester or we're in King's Landing. Now we're in Dragonstone. Now we're over the wall. Now we're right back. It's very fast. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because it's like you're you finally get your head around the fact that this takes time. Yeah, everything is a realistic amount of time to get to the place, and now it's like teleport, teleport, teleport. And it almost makes me wonder if had they made the same decisions with the story over the course of two more seasons and go to season 10 instead of season eight, yeah, would it be better? I think there's a great possibility that it could be better, but in the same breath when we say that it does feel rushed, that's why it, it does feel like sloppy writing. Yeah. It feels like bad writing because it is so rushed. Mm -hmm. I Just to ask, since we are kind of on the, uh, on the battle of Winterfell against the White Walkers, mm -hmm. what do you guys think about the um, death of the Night King? First time I watched it, I was in love. I was, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I, yes. Wow. I don't know. Yes. Because I like told so many people that didn't watch Game of Thrones how it happened. I'm still telling people about it. She like jumped, she grabbed his hand, snatched it down, put it in his, you know. But why Arya? Why do you think that that was a good decision? Arya is a. And like an assassin? Yeah, and it was, even though her attack, it was a sneaky attack, but he already knew. Don't know, I guess, like, his sixth sense. But that was, I don't know, it's because she's smaller, you know. Um, I think Jon Snow might have been a better, 
a better person, but I personally like Arya the most. So I think her having like the big moment would have was a fulfilling moment. You like her character the most out of all of them, or just filler uh, moment? You liked her like to do that. I was thinking about it when we started it. Who's my favorite character? But I, I think I think Arya is my favorite. She well, we can talk about it later. But I I think Arya. I think I could say that it's not confident, but for now, she's I, your favorite character of the show. Yes. Okay. No, that's not a hot not, take at all. Yeah, yeah okay. that's a good take. I, for me personally, I think that oh, the, the Night King dying in that way was so it. The way he dies is because there's. I I love the part where he's walking up to Bran because by this point in the show, the Bran and the Night King are like linked in some way because he's the Third Eye Raven, and we see that he has visions of the Night King. And night, the Night King is really the only person who can act. What were you gonna say, Matt? I was just gonna say we are 52 minutes into this recording and we haven't even discussed Bran at all. He sucks. That's what <laughs> yeah, so, right. yeah. Okay. He so, serves. We can all agree on this. Yeah, he he is probably because at the beginning of the show he is like one of the biggest. He kickstarts kind of conflict already because he's thrown out the window. And he is paralyzed. We did talk about that, I guess. But outside of that, we didn't yeah. talk about right now. He's not even in season five. Yeah. He's not. And that's, bro. But guys, I have an idea. What's up? Let's make him king at the very end of the series. Dude, like. And make him god, basically. Yeah, make him god. He doesn't even want it. It's funny because he's, he won't take the throne at Winterfell because he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm above this. You know, you should but, have someone with unintelligible knowledge. Yeah. But now he's like, okay, wait. What? King of the, king king of all the kingdoms. He's like, why did I? I could do. Why that. do you think I came all this way? And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. The worst writing ever. Yeah, and back to back to just the Night King. I think I've talked to you, Matt, uh, about this before. I think I talked to you as well about it. I think that Arya being the one to kill him seems so just not fulfilling because throughout the whole series, Arya is kind of on her own independent like story. Mm-hmm. She you know does the face thing where she can where it sucks i'd agree yeah it leads to nothing she never she doesn't even use that in the end doesn't even use that to outsmart cersei or the night king or oh, she showed it to, sorry I keep going. Uh, well yeah i just and then her like jumping behind him how she get through the guards of other night king guys like how they allow her to sneak up on him she, i mean she finds her way out anywhere yeah. though and Rand just sits there and doesn't do anything for anyone he's yeah. just bait and it's like he's literal god it's extremely unsatisfying yeah and it's like why and it's like bran you know everything that's happened you know everything that's going to happen why don't you open your mouth and help them in you know like why don't you do something instead of just staring at people and like shaming jamie or shaming like people for like Doing that, it's like it- yeah, I hated that. Uh, I forgot her name. The girl that helped him get across. Oh my god! And he was such a douche to her. Thank you god. know. Thanks for that. Yeah. Is that all you have to say? I literally carried your, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the way through the wall. Right. And it's like oh, he is a thanks. It's so bad, and it's like you definitely can see that they did not know what to do with him because they ran out of the books. Because he's his like who what he becomes is still not like released yet in George R. R. Martin's books. So they basically just had to be like, oh, let's do this. Let's make him this god. Let's make the mountain a zombie. That's why uh, I feel like the writers are almost, they're better at adapting and, and actually coming up with ideas. And actually coming up with original ideas. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, I don't mean to like talk to you. Much, but I think that, uh, I talked to you, I believe, Matt, that the two people that I, th- the three people that I think would have been better candidates to beat the night four, basically, would have been Ran. Uh, like through his like mind, that connection with them, yeah, like just like boom, makes his head explode with his mind. <laughs> Hopefully, um, 
uh, John himself, but I feel like that one is a little too easy, too predictable because he they're basically like arch nemesis throughout like first like se- like seasons basically. Yeah, I think that the other two would have been either Theon, maybe to finally redeem himself in that way to save Bran, someone he got to betrayed in season two, and Winterfell itself, you know. And then my main one, I think I talked to you about this, would have been Jamie because um, a problem I had with season seven was this stupid plan to go across the wall to get a White Walker to show to Cersei uh, and to, to persuade her to help them fight the dead, which turns out to do nothing. Uh, but the only thing, which that was a stupid idea anyways, that was a stupid plan because yeah. one, Tyrion should have known that Cersei's not, not going to help you when she can sit pretty in King's Landing while you guys die. Mm-hmm. You know, like, whatever. And plus, how they? why did they not expect her just to blow up that meeting like she did the Scepter White? I don't know if that's... I think it was just a desperation move on Tyrion's part where it's like, if we're going to fight this massive army, we need the army of King's Landing. And the only way you're going to do that is to convince Cersei. And the only way you're going to do that is to show her actual proof. Yeah, and I think think the only thing that good that came out of that was Jaime being the one to be like, oh my gosh, these things are real. I'm going to move north and do this. And I think that him killing the Night King would have been so much more... I guess I'll say it poetic because one, he's our, he he becomes a kingslayer not in a bad way but in a good way, he because he kills the night king and he kind of fulfills his full circle. It does. He fulfills kind of the guilt he has and kind of everyone's public opinion about him. Uh, as that, he protects Winterfell. Whereas in the first season he was against Winterfell, against the Starks and everything, but now he's you know saving them based, like in that way. Right. And it also fulfills like having them go across the wall actually meant something and led him there to help fight them i just think that would have been so much more fulfilling because it's like jamie has come literal full circle all the way from season one now fully i can see theon too but i think theon i think he ran his course by then i think he was just kind of like his character was kind of just we just kind of needed to kill him off by this point i i didn't agree with your list until you said jamie mm-hmm. uh brand his whole I just mi- want him to do something Dude, I just want his whole mind thing was yeah. so warg into a dragon I do something you? cool. I don't know. His whole mind thing and seeing the future in the third raven, that was so boring. Wasted. Yeah, and I don't think it went to the limits. It could have gone air. He didn't warn anyone that Daenerys was going to burn down King's Landing. He just. about why he doesn't defend him. himself. And he just, he just. So he could become king. He knew he would become king, and now he's going to just ruin Westeros for everyone because he's. It's like Doctor Strange, 14,605 endings, and he can't tell why us. Why would you let him become king? Like. Sorry, I don't mean to like over. Like, no, I heard not at all. But I feel like um, character moments. I like season eight a little. Like I like it in the way that we get to see these characters finally interact that right. we haven't seen together in years. Like the yeah. Starks are finally back together. But you know, if I haven't seen Bran in like like what five years or six years, who knows how long it is? Like it's around there, and he's now this like. Just like, <laughs> like ghost, basically. yeah. And he just doesn't talk. He's yeah. basically Jesus, and and he, and he's king. A part of me is gonna be like skeptical. Like, should we really let this guy that seemingly knows everything be king, or is he gonna like turn this into like right. a tire a tyrant kind of situation? I don't know. I, I guess we'll never know because we never get to see what happens afterwards. Thank God. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think the death of the night king. I think Jamie or John would probably be the biggest I, one. I think. Yeah. What, what do you What do you guys think about that? About Jamie being? Uh, I think. Oh, you got it. So you go ahead. No, sir. You go. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I think that Jamie killing the Night King is a good idea. 
um, again, I kind of go back to the fact that we do have to discuss that this is a TV show and not a movie, whereas the climax has been building over the course of 80, 90 hours and however long the show is, whereas a movie builds over the course of two hours. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like you do need to have some sort of satisfactory ending. I think that Arya killing the Night King, as cool as it was, it doesn't really fit her character or the arc of the Night King. I think that I, I didn't agree when you first told me Jamie until you told me your reasoning. And it makes a lot of sense, I think. And especially how he starts the series out with being the Kingslayer and he comes towards the end of his story by being the Kingslayer, but instead of it sending the kingdoms into chaos, it, it's, it saves everybody. I think that that'd be a really interesting. Jon Snow, of course, would have been a great pick. It's a little too predictable. Yeah. It is a little too predictable, but it's also like you have to have some sort of payoff. That's satisfying. That's satisfying when you've been building it not over the course of two and a half hours, but over the course of a 90-hour show. Mm-hmm. I think Jon Snow doing it would have been great. It kind of reminds me of, I haven't seen it, but I could just imagine that a, a Voldemort Harry Potter kind of thing. Yeah, because yeah. I can just imagine yeah. the uh, Deathly Hollows Part 2 kind of cover for Season 8 of Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It would it would work that way, Jamie. Uh, after hearing your reasoning, I'd I'd agree that would have been a f- great full circle moment. And it's not like an obvious thing, you know, something like you have to watch. Oh, it. It's a good idea. It's yeah, good idea. that's like a real Jon Snow would have been like the typical. Okay, yeah, we get it here, but the Jamie one, you'd have to watch like some think piece video on why Jamie was the best choice. It would have been so like because you wouldn't even have noticed. You're just like, oh my god, Jamie, I like his character. Yeah, but then you like really like look into it, and you're like. Oh my God! Everything, so many like themes of his character have come full circle now by doing this, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I just really like the idea, and it sucks because like I like the idea, but it I, I imagine Arya as like a. I know you guys don't agree that Arya is like the best choice, and I think for this show the the typical choice shouldn't be the choice because that's I think Game of Thrones is better than that. Yeah. So you need like a unexpected type of character. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many changes to the story they made. Because they were because that. because they were trying to be so, oh, here's what the audience was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're gonna do. You know, I, yeah. I wonder how many. Oh, who's gonna end up on the throne at the very end of the series? Who's gonna die at the very end of the show? We'll get to that. We'll we'll get more deep into that. Right. Um, yeah, that and the thing with the Night King. My last thing about the Night King is that we never get any explanation on. Like, we get a little bit, we get a little hint about, like, the little goblin creatures that the Third Eye Raven was living with, you know, how they maybe, they made him into the Night King, uh, but it's like we never get to get a more deep dive explaining him as a character. Like, to me, I think that Bran, you know, not Bran, like, killing him, like, you know, in the way, like, Jamie or John would, but I think, like, maybe uh, him and the Night King, like, having, like, a vision each- with each other, like, and it would explain kind of who he is before he became the Night King. I think that would have been cool in the finale, but Bran is just basically asleep. I don't like Bran as the killer. Uh, I think they don't, ex- if they built up his power and explain more, not explain more, but utilize it more, because they, they don't, they don't play with, they don't use the idea of, of Bran. Like they try, they try so hard to, uh, they show us so much about what he can do, but I don't, they just show his visions. Yeah, he's, sorry. I, you go. He's basically just, uh, like a, like something to, a safety net to like say, oh, we need to explain this. Rand knows he can explain. This. Yeah, and I like, think yeah. him having these thoughts 
and then you actually see what he does with it, it's just too much. I wish they would have had a build up if he were to be the one that killed the Night King. I just I just found the Battle of Winterfell. I found it entertaining, but in in terms of like Blackwater, Hardhome, uh, the fight of the Wall in season four, and just other fights were so much well produced, like production wise, pe- characters made sense. Everything fell a lot more clean in terms of the script. I also think that um, I was gonna say I I also hate it, not with the Battle of Winterfell, but I'm just thinking before I forget. But the fact that we learned probably the biggest reveal of the whole show is that Jon Snow is a Targaryen goes absolutely nowhere in the big grand scheme of things. That was cheap, I think. I think it was something to try and throw us off, but... We'll save that for the sequel series with Jon Snow. Oh, will we? What? They're making... Yeah, you didn't hear about that? Making a sequel series with Jon Snow in it. Yeah, but... It's with like... Kit? With Kit Harrington, yeah. Well, it's like... But, like, in terms of, like, Daenerys, it doesn't do anything besides make her and him kind of not a thing anymore, you know, because they're... That was so like it was so romance sucks. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. The only this is gonna sound so weird. The only good romance story is Cersei and uh, Jamie. Yeah, I know that's like a weird one, but that's. I would argue that um, I'm trying to think. Jon Snow and Egrid, the Wildling. It di- they die so quickly though. That's true. So and they're married in real life, by the way. They yeah, that's pretty cool. Right. And I didn't another like relationship thing. Like, uh, Arya gets it in with the with the uh 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 Gendry. Yeah, I that, that was thrown in. That was that was weird. That was better to watch because yeah, you see her grow up, and then how old is she? Like you're like that, like how old is she? You just show? remember like oh man, she was just a kid with a with a wooden sword or a little with needle. Now she's at Winterfell. You know, and I get it because it was like the oh I'm sorry, you got, I'll keep talking. What's up? Oh, I didn't have anything to say. Oh yeah, and like um. I get it because it was that last night before the Battle of Winterfell, I think. So everyone's just trying to get their last hoorahs off. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like their last hoorahs off and stuff. But yeah, I, I didn't like that. Yeah. I will add that George R. R. Martin did confirm back in February that there is going to be a Jon Snow sequel. The current working title for it is Snow. Yes. That's hot. And Kit Harrington is set to return. Okay. That's okay. I, I think that mostly with me. They made it probably they they made that like the biggest reveal not the maybe the biggest the reveal it's like oh this guy that we thought was a bastard and I yeah and uh, he basically has no claim to any throne that's like hammered into like us as an audience in the first like whole seasons and so um, now to learn that not only is he now um, a royal like he's like royalty basically he is has the claim to the Iron Throne, the big, like he has basically the way to the entire Westeros. And I think that that was done in a very good way, the reveal was. Um, it was a little cheap through Bran. Right. But it's like, how else are you going to know that if, you know, since that was in the past? It, yeah. And it also adds uh, good character development even after his death for Ned. Right. Because in season one, you know, he basically lets everyone in Westeros believe that he had an affair with Catelyn uh, Stark, his wife, and had Jon Snow. And, you know, he basically covers for, because, was it, who is Rhaegar Targaryen and Ned's sister, Lyanna Stark, is Jon's real parents. Yeah, but he takes the fall for it. Which, I mean, I think that's pretty interesting to have, to somehow make character, like, reveal character development 
after like seven seasons after seasons seven. after a character it, again it goes back to hammer home that ned was always that selfless character you know but in the world of game of thrones yeah being that selfless person is going to get you killed what uh i i think i think since we're we are high in time here i think we should finally get to uh daenerys burning king's landing uh i have two okay i had two things about daenerys so all right I don't, oh, want, I don't want this to make this Daenerys, too, not gonna the whole time. Like her whole I identity. Like, I like her at some points. I just found anytime we went to Daenerys, especially in the early seasons, it felt just too outside of everything. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'd much rather watch the King's Landing stuff instead of watching her stuff because, one, I don't think the acting, Amelia Clark's acting for her was all that great. Really? Especially in the beginning. Which, like, I think in seasons six, seven, and eight, are she's really good. And I just think at the beginning, it's a little too, I don't know. I just didn't, I just didn't like her acting. I didn't, I just found her kind of one dimensional as a character in the beginning. I just wasn't interested in her. She has no connection with anyone. She has a main objective, and that's her whole storyline. I know. It's just, I just feel like there's so many like side quests and storylines with her that don't go anywhere. Like Marine, that was like the, the city that she like basically ruled. But it's yeah. like she, what happened? she doesn't she leave what's his name to rule over it or something like that. The uh um, like her not uh Dario? Dario is that the guy or did he die? There's too many characters. There's too many characters in this show, you guys. But, but I don't know. I just wasn't cra- crazy about her. What were you saying about her? The two things you were saying about her? Oh, just her whole storyline. I'll I'll try to keep it quick. It wasn't bad, but it just sucked to see her go through all that and not even like barely touch the drum. Did she even touch it? She touched it. Yeah. Touch and throw. That's why. That's one of the ironies of it is that again, and how they kind of marketed the last season. I did. Why well, I wasn't watching the last season live, but I do still remember the marketing was who's going to end up on the throne, mm-hmm. and they showed a bunch of images on like, oh, who could end up on the throne. And the irony is that she was close enough to touch it, and she never does because the dragon melts it at the very end. Yeah, I, I just found, I get her character, and I get. I can kind I can understand the decision to burn down King's Landing and basically kill the entire like city mm-hmm. uh, at that time. But then you kind of I get where they were going with it, and I understand the decision to do it because by this point, this is she has so much hatred for the Lannisters because of what they did to her family, right? And but I just feel like having her be this like uh, symbol of hope and reiterating many many times that she's not a tyrant she wants to free the people and liberate them and you know what's the what's the thing break the wheel i think is what she says yeah that's what she says a lot but now it's like i take one look at the red keep i get upset let's kill everyone in king's land you know and again you know it's like you do need that character development it's true yeah her she, she starts as this character who is let's break the cycle you know let's be the good queen of the of the kingdoms and everything and it's that that drive for power is what ultimately ruins her and ruins her entire character but again you can't rush something like that for that character especially when it's one of your main characters of the series again it makes me wonder how much better the series would be if they took the exact same steps but they kind of hit the brake pedal a little bit yeah drew it out over two seasons and added some stuff in there to keep it fresh yeah, and I mean, I think it's a good idea to have um, Daenerys, you know, burn burn King's Landing and everything. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that it's flip of a dime. Yeah, and I just don't. 
her and Jon Snow, we just, we mentioned it earlier, their romance is poor. Poor, and Jon Snow's character really in the last two seasons is poor. <laughs> he has like four lines of dialogue that he just recycles. Yeah. Over, it's like, oh, she's my queen. Oh, I don't want it. Ah, uh, you're my queen. She's my like, queen. Yeah, and it's just like his someone who was probably not the most complex character, but he was definitely the one that a lot was going on a hundred percent of the time for him. He was the big fan favorite. Yeah, Jon Snow was. And now it's like. He, and even though now he should be the one, the most important character now because it's revealed he is the most important person in Westeros. And it's like he's now a backseat compared to like Daenerys. And it, I don't know. It just didn't feel right to reveal us that and really do nothing fulfilling with it. Yeah, that whole, yeah. And as he confessed it or they confessed it underground when they were with each other, that was kind of kind of weak. But I did quick, quick, quick question. Uh, is the show a prequel or like an after the Jon Snow show? The way that the article wrote it, it looks like it's set to be a spinoff that takes place afterwards. Okay. It's it's kind of sad. They're, it's kind of sad that they have to do that to redeem. Dude, they should have gave us shows, like, right after. Give it to me a year after. The big problem with Jon Snow's character is that at the very end of the series, he ends up where he is at the very beginning of the series, which yeah. is back at the wall. I think for a lot of people, it's frustrating to watch that character go through all those changes. Yes, the claim to the Iron Throne. And at the very end, he just gets punk kicked it, punk kicked yeah. across the room, back all the way to the wall. And it's like, I, it feels like there was very little development for that character. Mm-hmm. It's like, Sayonara, see ya, back where you were. Yeah. And really, it's really frustrating. Yeah. And the way those the Starks kind of end up in that finale, in the, in the, in the way that uh, Bran becomes king, which is so stupid because Tyrion. He basically turns on Daenerys um, after he kills basically everyone in his city, uh, and his Jamie and Cersei die. Which that was stupid. Them dying with the rock. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that. There's yet. so much. That's- There's a lot to talk about, and I think going back to Jamie, going over that really quick. I think it was stupid to have Jamie go back to Cersei at the very end of very, last very last episode, choice, last two episodes. Going from someone who's like, I killed the Mad King to everyone in King's Landing to saying, I really couldn't care less about the people in King's Landing. Once again, it, once again, it feels like the character went through all this development for nothing when they end up back where they were at the beginning of the series with yeah. Cersei. Now, if he was faking the Tyrion that and he went to Cersei and we're led to believe, like, oh my God, no way he's going to do that. And he kills her. That would have been big. Yeah, because that's, a, that's what I thought he was going to do. That's a huge, that would be like, as fulfilling as you can, full circle by this point. Like, maybe he doesn't kill the Night King, but he kills Cersei. Cersei. And you can still have him die in the process because the yeah. entire, like, castle itself is, like, collapsed. Yeah, so and it, you can have him die, kill her. And it would have fit, and I know this is a little thing, but it would have fit, like, kind of like this prophecy that uh, Cersei would have been killed by her brother or something like that. I think that was a prophecy in the show or something. I think it was at the beginning of season five. I don't remember that actually. It was it was like a prophecy, and it, that's a minor thing. But I think like narratively, that would have just been so much better than him going, "I miss, I love you, Cersei. I've always loved you. Let's right. hug while this rock lands on us, but not mm-hmm. a couple feet that way, <laughs> so Tyrion can walk in." But um, I, for the people of Westeros. To listen to Tyrion after he's been imprisoned for so long, it's like, why would you listen to what this guy has to say about who needs to be king when you basically want to execute him? Like, Grey Worm wants to execute him for killing, um, portraying the queen. Because yeah. uh, him and Jon Snow are locked up because they betrayed her, Jon killed her, and everything. And it's like, why are they, like, 
why are they listening? Yeah, and why it is like he is the smartest man in Westeros, but it's like why why how, do we, how can we trust him? Yeah, how can you trust him? I just they never discuss again. It's just like it's a plot hole, really, yeah. because they just don't spend enough time flushing it out. It's just like sh- who else thinks that they should? They all stand up. Ah, it's like what? And my question is to you guys: Who do you think would have been more fit? Uh, one, when you were watching it. Who did you think was going to end up on the throne? And now knowing who did end up on the throne, who do you think would have been a best, a better fit? Uh, I I kind of think that Daenerys, uh, when I originally thought that her whole character development would go through her ending up on the throne at the very end. And when I first started watching the series, I did kind of have that mindset of, oh, you know, the good guy's going to win. The good guy's going to come through and sit on the Iron Throne at the very end. And she is going to be the person to break the wheel. Of course, um, Daenerys goes through the cycle of kind of not becoming the person that she thought she was going to be. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really interesting that you start off with this hero character with this mindset and she just gets corrupted with the power. Yeah. I think that Jon Snow would have been a great fit because Jon Snow never wanted the power. Yeah. Right? Uh, and the whole thing is that the best king would be someone that didn't want the power. And now, again, it kind of goes back to Bran sitting on it at the very end. And he's also like, oh, I don't want the power of Winterfell but I will take the throne of Westeros. So there's definitely a debate there to be had, um, but I think that Jon Snow would have been a great pick for ending up ruling the kingdom at the very end instead yeah. of him just being punted to the curb. Yeah, I. what do you, what do you think? I would like Daenerys to be it. You see her whole story. Granted, it is kind of slow at times, but see her army pick. I think that was like the best part about her series, about her story. She goes to these different countries or these different places overcomes these little territories and slowly but surely she's right. gathering a bigger army especially since she's so secluded from everybody else yeah right? and it's she, like you definitely the i feel like this series kind of leads you to believe that she is going to sit on the throne at the end just because she is going through this entire journey of like oh look how this person that's so far away that really comes from nothing at that point where she gets sent away how the entire series is about her working her way back up to the top yeah i yeah, I can I can agree. I think if John was to become the king, I think it would have been a little too predictable, especially since we kind of been reiterating many times like he has the claim to the Iron Throne. I think it would have been too easy to have him be on the throne at the end. Yeah, and he has a lot of upgrades. When uh, where is he? Most of the, where is he most of the show? I'm terrible at locations. Wall. He's like John still spends most of his time either at the wall or beyond the wall. At the right wall, below the wall. Yeah, at the wall. Uh, you see his upgrades and power there, so I think that would have been a, it. It, I was, I think anything good with Jon Snow would have been typical. Yeah, or expected. Yeah, I, I also think for me, I think, uh, even, I don't know how that would have worked because I don't think that would even have made sense because of how the throne kind of works. I was gonna say Sansa, but that doesn't really work with how the throne really works because she ends up becoming like the w- warden of the north. That what she becomes? Queen of the North? I think Queen of the North. Queen of the North. But in terms of the Iron Throne, really the only two people who could have been there is either Jon or Daenerys. Because that's just how, you know, Sansa's not going to be able to become on the Iron Throne just because she's Jon's sister because they're not related. I mean, they are half-siblings, but... But I was thinking, I don't know. It's it's a tough thing, but it's like, why why do we make Bran it? Because he has a better story. Why? We, We... how, who has a better story, Bran, who sat in a cave for an entire season without being seen, or Jon Snow, who's literally been like fighting White Walkers, re- like uniting the Wildlings, fighting in battle after battle, fight, going traveling literally all across across Westeros, and yeah. Bran just like 
yeah, he was uh, like past the wall, uh, you know, and every, he was beyond yeah. the wall and everything. But it's like he was getting basically carded the entire way. And he missed the season. And he's not like a, I don't know. It's just such a lame. It's like, it's the irony, man, of, of Peter, Peter Dinklage literally saying, who has a better story than Brown the Broken? Yeah. And we're, we as the audience are there screaming at the TV. You do. Being like, literally anybody, yeah. literally anybody else has the better a better story than, yeah. than Brand the Broken. It's like, like Joffrey has a better story than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'd like to see Joffrey get resurrected. Yeah, it's crypt. I put, sorry. No, you're fine. Did, did you guys like how, um, see, we, we use that. I, I agree with your opinion on Jon Snow, how he ends the show. Right. what do you think of how, like, other characters in the show, like uh, Arya, how Sansa, how brand whatever like how i guess like every character was there any character that you weren't happy with besides john how they ended i didn't like well naturally brand uh aria expected she went in separate ways uh sansa born of the north that's cool uh she held she had i mean you can count it's kind of foreshadowing because she had that little uh leadership position leadership position when john left and they re after they reunited so i'm not mad at that uh, Tyrion. I don't. I don't think Tyrion I'm... just. He, and his story just kind of ends. I How was he accepted back on the council? Yeah, I don't. Because I think that was the. Okay, I get the deal that we'll send John to the night to the Night's Watch, or else we'll kill him. Right. But wh why? Why is Tyrion like? Because I say I think they say a line where it's like, "You're gonna spend the rest of your days cleaning up the mess you made," and I'm like. That's not a punishment. You're putting him on the council that makes all the call. This is where he was in season four. Right. So why, you know, with Pod and Brienne and Bronn, which Bronn, I'll be honest with you, he might be the best player in the Game of Thrones, honestly. That man, he, he switched alliances and made all the right moves, and he's like, what does he end up? The master of coin? Yeah, that's right. like a castle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, had to marry, what, didn't he have to marry, like, or get with one of, yeah, uh, I'm sure he didn't care. Yeah. But it's like, the. it's like, I don't get Tyrion. Like, by that point in the show when you're watching, you're just kind of like, this show's kind of... I Clearly, they don't care. So it's like, why should I care at this point? It's very sad to watch the creators of the show just very slowly not care anymore. And it's like, I really wish that they would bring in some people that, that would really care about hammering home the show. But I'm sure that HBO had their contracts with people and they wanted yeah. to stay and finish. And again, that's, that's one of those bad things about a studio that almost gives too much freedom, right? Like, I'm, I'm all for studios being like, here's a bunch of money, go do whatever. And HBO does that a lot with The Last of Us show, even with Matt Reeves' the new Batman movie. It's just, here's a boatload of money, go make something. Hey, James Gunn, here's a bunch of money, just go make something. Yeah. Um, And they do that, but this Game of Thrones is a prime example of when you give that money to people who are just done and just yeah. don't care. It's like, really, they should have just bought them out of their contract. And then just brought in other people that cared about the series. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I just think it's it's clearly just they they built. I think it's clearly the main reason for me is that George R. R. Martin they just ran out of books to adapt right. because they 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 were really good at adapting these books, but now they're on this thing where they're like, oh no, we've built all these great characters up. Now we have to do what we can with them and make it up now on the spot. It's I think that's like where you see that disconnect where it's like. I know Tyrion's a not good Tyrion because he has a beard now. Like, I can make that distinction now where it's, I don't know, it's like, like I mentioned earlier, slide like the mountain, uh, even in the books now, because he hasn't came out, out with it, we don't know what happens to the mountain yet. Right. We don't know what happens to Bran, but, like, the mountain's now just, like, this mindless zombie. It makes the show feel so much more 
pandering in Hollywood, if that makes sense. Where goofy, it makes it yeah. almost like more goofy. It's like, oh no, he's a zombie. It just becomes a dumb action show now rather this than person's back from the dead, rather than like a political drama like it was in the first. I would say even the first like five seasons, I would say it's like mainly a political drama with action sprinkled in. Whereas the last like three seasons is like action. Here you go. Jon Snow's in the Battle of the Bastards. Let's get hit by one arrow. Sure. Whatever. Rickon, we haven't even mentioned him, and that's all we'll mention of him. Right. He's not important at all. It's just, now that I'm thinking about it, I like season six, but now I'm just thinking about, like, those latter half seasons, more things just come up, and it's kind of, it's just disheartening. I don't know if you guys feel the same about the last, like, five seasons, or four seasons as a whole. Yeah. But just the differences in quality is just very, very... Very apparent. That's without even talking about the water bottle situation in the last season. The Starbucks oh, yeah. thing. The Starbucks. And there's a water bottle too, yeah. I think, somewhere in there as well. Oh yeah, when um, Rand becomes king. And yeah. like the very end, like it's just like a water bottle. It's like you can just tell the like the production quality, like they just don't care. It's yeah. very sad. Yeah, I don't yeah. It's not fair to the actors who spent so long developing their characters. It's not fair to the studio, it's not fair to George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin, who this is his life. Granted, I mean, my God, the man has got to get a book out. It, how, what was the last book that he came out with? Like twenty, like fifteen. While ago, it's like I get, I, 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 he is notoriously. I get it's a lot, but at the same time, this is your job, and I understand. And maybe he didn't want to write a book until the show is over because that's kind of weird. Like to. You know, I'm watching the show where they're doing this thing, but now I'm reading this book that George R. R. Martin thing where he's going in a way different direction. I feel like that's he might have been obligated contractually to wait because that's jarring. Like, how would you feel if you read a thing where Bran's not a a, a wizard man and he's like doing something else and the mountain's like still human, but in the show he's a zombie? That'd be really weird to like have these two conflicting stories going on simultaneously. I don't know. It's just strange. It's a it's they were kind of doomed for failure with. Uh, the amount of books they were adapting. Right, and it's like, again, it, it makes me almost wonder if George R. R. Martin himself thinks that maybe he wrote himself into a corner. He probably did. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's possible. Yeah, I, I just think that they were just doomed for failure, especially with this thing that you know is going to go on for 10 seasons. Yeah. And I think that the way, the pace that they went at in the first four seasons was really the only pace to make it entertaining because they cut a lot of stuff out, but they leave in the the big moments and if they would have like stretched it out even further to stretch out those first like four books it just would have been boring right. Rose would have been way too boring like Ned wouldn't have died until like the third season if they stretched it out that right. far but yeah I how, do you guys have anything more to say about the finale that you want to get off your chest because I feel like I've been talking my head off uh I like so I'm gonna sound stupid well first one since the last of us came up they put Adrian Pascal and Bella Ramsey as second yeah. and third on here Popular. popular not very deserving i don't no, not really oberon was a great character he's just not in it enough to warrant yeah. in front of everyone else oh i just i just saw that but uh closing thoughts i i didn't it didn't upset me while i was watching the last couple of seasons i enjoyed really enjoyed the final battle seeing daenerys uh burn the city seeing the mountain and the hound go at it uh that that was a great fight Cersei and Jamie, maybe not the best. Storylines were ended were ended very quickly and abrupt, but I don't think I could be as upset as someone who's been st- who's been following this for eight years since 2011. So, um, it wasn't it didn't end up bad for me. Maybe in a couple of years I'll mature more and and 
see it, but yeah. I, what would you give it out of five stars? How do you rate something like this? I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I'll do my best to do it. I'll say. Use the bougies. Eight, eight seasons. Uh, all right, out of five. I think I'll give this. I'll give it a four. I'll give it a four. Four out of five. This is four out of five. Okay. You? So, uh, yeah, so closing thoughts for me. Um, I think that season four is one of the best seasons of television of all time, probably, honestly, not even going to lie, a 10 out of 10 season for me. Just everything about it from the acting, the action, the storytelling, the sets, just everything is just okay. really amazing. Um, with that being said, I do still feel that the you do start to see it declining overall quality of the show after season four. And I think that that just continues to plague season seven and especially season eight. Um, one thing we didn't really get to, get to a whole lot, we talked about it a little bit, but I just want to kind of discuss it a little bit more with the whole uh, Jamie Lannister situation at the very end of uh, season eight. Again, Jamie Lannister is definitely one of my favorite characters. And I think that he goes through a lot of character development and it feels like the way that his story was written, a lot of that just gets thrown out the window at the very end. And it's really frustrating, especially to people who really care about the character and really want to see something happen with that. And it feels like the writers just kind of toss that character off to the side. It's really frustrating. And, you know, there's, a, I mean, he could have gone back and killed Cersei. And I watched an interview with the creators on why they made the choice for him to go back. And they really couldn't have, they really didn't give like a, a solid explanation. Like they were kind of just like digging themselves into a hole of like, oh, well, like this is how we started the series. So this is like where we wanted him to end up. And it's like, there's no character progression at that point. It, the frustrating thing is that the character does go through a lot of character changes, so much so that he is a lot of other people's favorite character. Mm -hmm. um, you take this very despicable character from season one and turn him into a fan favorite by the last season, and then you just turn all that off in the matter of one episode. Yeah. There was something wrong with your writing. Yeah, I, yeah, it's frustrating, especially just because ultimately... I don't know. It's just, it's such waste because he is a favorite character and then he just dies in a way that just is so disrespectful. Because by that point, like Cersei, she's a good character, but by that point, she was, as a character, she was kind of dragging her legs. I just didn't really care that much and I kind of just want her to die. But it's like the way that they go about it and the way that Jamie just detracts so far from, like, right. what, six seasons of character development, like of being that new person right now back to, oh, I would kill everyone for Cersei. And he, and it's like him and Brienne have so much more of a, you know, because they, you know, aha, before uh, the Battle of Winterfell, um, as lo like, among everyone else, it's really? like, but it's like, and then he leaves her, and it's just like, why? It's so stupid. Yeah, it's waste doesn't it's waste it. But yeah, I, yeah, we did kind of gloss over that, but that's just because there's so much going on. I'm thinking about a million and one things. Yeah. The last, I don't, I don't think I said it, the last battle for the past, for episode five and six, of season eight, beautiful. I know we talked about. It. You say you didn't like it that much. Winterfell one, Battle of the Bastards, season six, season eight, last episodes. Was it the King's Landing one? The King's Landing fight. Battle of the Bastards happened in season six. Yeah. No season when the White Walkers describe. <laughs> I, no wait, what am I thinking of? Season what? When Jon Snow? When did when um? It's been a long week. What's her name? When Daenerys is flying around the, uh, King, King's Landing, 
and destroying the yeah. whole. Yeah, yeah, that that was. He's landing battle. Yeah, sorry, yeah. it's man. I, uh, I get it, especially that was a half into the podcast. That was a very yeah, beautiful, well shot. It was dragged off for two episodes, but that was a very beautiful fight. Yeah, battle. I thought it was cool. I <laughs> I found it a little strange that Arya, uh, she survived literally the catastrophic destruction of an entire city. Of course, she survives. And then plot armor. Yeah, the, real... the hound walks her all the way up to Cersei, knowing that he's going to kill Cersei. And that the last minute goes, "Yeah, get out of here." Whose phone is ringing, Cam? I'm just kidding. All right. uh, no, you're fine. Um, but I don't know. It's just so stupid to, to like. It's just little things where it's just like the show is so smart, and now it's just so dumb. And it's just when I like at a point where I like I was like, man, this show is so smart. It makes me look like a fool. Now it's like I'm smarter than the writers at this point and it's that's just so sad and i would i would rate the show probably a four as well because mm-hmm. like i don't discount the last seven seasons after like or that came before it because those were historic pretty, yeah th- yeah good television and everything so i'm not going to discredit just on a bad ending but at the same time it does leave a bad taste in your mouth and it makes you you know i'm i've been i rewatched the show but i'm not watching season eight again and it just kind of makes you a lot less willing to involve yourself with watching it again or i mean we're talking about it but that's like because the ending's so bad <laughs> right like in a in a parallel universe we'd be talking about how the ending of the show was perfect and how they ended it perfect but unfortunately we're here and a lot of people have been wanting them to make it remake the last two seasons i don't think they will i don't think they should but it's a lot be interesting yeah it's yeah, just leave it alone with the last two. We'll just stick with it. We'll, you didn't rate it. We'll get snow. I didn't rate it? No, five out of five. I would give season four a 10 out of 10. No, the whole show. I would give the entire show, we'll give it We'll give it a four and a half. Four and a half? Five. Okay. Yeah. okay. It's, it's great. It's one of the best shows on TV Yeah. or ever was on TV. Mm-hmm. And so it's got to be higher than a four for me. Yeah. But okay. Again, I do think that the, the ending, it does... I think it does discredit the entire series. Um, I mean, of course, season four was great, but when you have a very, very terrible ending, it just it ruins the show. Yeah, I think I'm gonna change the four and a half as well. I think I've I don't think I've said much of anything bad about it. Right. But I think I'll go four and a half. I think I'd say four and a half. Okay. I, I think I'll stick to a four. Okay. I'm glad I was nervous. We're close. We're close on numbers. Yeah. I was nervous that because we talked beforehand and you guys were like. The the ending sucks. I thought you guys were gonna give it like poor ratings. The important thing to remember about Game of Thrones is that as as you know maybe as disappointing of an ending that it was is that it it also catapulted a bunch of actors' careers mm. as well as it's you know of course one of the one of the greatest shows on television um of of all time you know even everything from the production value of the first four seasons to the cinematography all the way through. It's just, it is a really amazing show. It's definitely once in a generation. I definitely would give it a watch. I, I, I would be, I would be recommend weird. it. I highly I, recommend it. I recommend it. I just, you know, you got to be weary about the ending or else you're just going to be kind of disappointed. You know, you're, you're going to be crushed if you didn't know that about the ending. Right. You're like really into it. Um, and then all of a sudden you're just like, especially that last season, like you can kind of see a gradual decline like we've talked about many times, but it's just like that last season kind of hits you hard if you're a big fan. Right. And, but yeah, I, I have... I mean, I could talk about it for another 45 minutes, but <laughs> for the sake of time and, you know, it is my sanity, I think that that is going to 
in the episode. If you, uh, you guys don't have anything else to say, Matt, uh, we appreciate you coming. Thank you for us. coming. Uh, of course, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. We might we might ask you to come back in the future, yeah. which will probably be next I'm, semester. I'm because... above that. Yeah. Oh, man, that sucks. This is like the second to last episode. Because next week is the final Scon yeah. finals week. And it's been, well, I'll give sorrows and goodbyes later. Yeah. We're going to keep this going next semester. It's been a yeah. ride, yeah. but... Yeah. Rest assured, we will be back. So I'll be back. Yeah, Matt will be back here. But yeah, we appreciate you being on here. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, different episode. Uh, maybe we'll talk about more TV shows in the future. But, but we will see you next week uh, to talk about our last movie of the year. We hope to see you then and have a good day. All right, peace.